probably the beginning of time as far as I know, you know, that uh, since I've come to the Lord, I've declared this over and over hundreds and probably thousands of times. Well, it has to be thousands by now because I've known the Lord for 40 years. And uh, is God is good. God is good. You know, the interesting thing about this is that before I even knew the Lord, I knew that if there was a God, he had to be good. I just knew it. I instinctively knew it. And, of course, God has places truths in our heart from the very beginning. I mean, he's always speaking to us. He's always sh- trying to show himself to us and make himself known. But I just knew in the depth of my heart that God was good. And I just remember the this was one of the joyous times of my life and I was in basic training and and uh the the tech sergeant, you know, the drill drill instructor um came in and made an announcement that I was a father and boy was that exciting. I was excited and and you know, tears running down my eyes. I was just like, Wah you know. I didn't do Wahoos back then, but that's what I was doing. I was doing the equivalent <laughs> in my heart. And then the next day, the TI came in and pulled me into another room and told me my son had died. And so that was a tragic, heartbreaking thing because we put our heart and we put our hope in just having children and, and the blessing that they are. And so so this took place, and I wasn't a believer, but I was reading the Bible, trying to figure out who God was. And so I went home, and Suzette was a believer, and she was concerned that my heart would turn against God. I'd get bitter and angry and hate God because uh, God took my son. I never thought that for one second, not even one. And so I came, I came home and well, it was at her mom's house because she was living with her mom while I was in basic training. And I came to her mom's house and, and uh, just came in. And first thing, I said, it's, it, we're going to be okay. And we just hugged each other and wept, you know, because of the grief of it. So then we had a, what, what do they call it, graveside service. And we went and... We were having this, and everyone was just bawling their eyes out. I mean, my dad was super, just totally destroyed. And there's others, her brothers and all these people were in such anguish and in such pain, and they were crying. And we were, we were sad, of course, and we were crying too. But I just said, you know what? I, I, I said to the guy who was there, I said, I, can I stand up and say something? And so I, he said, yeah, and now I'm not going to give you a quote, exact words, but here's the gist of it. The gist of it is, I said, you know, I want to say this, that God is good, and God did not kill our baby or take our baby away. Don't blame God for this. He's good. 
and I'm not even a believer. I don't even know Jesus yet. I don't know the love of the Father. I haven't experienced it. But I just know in the depths of my soul from the very beginning that if there is a God, then he's good. He's good. And isn't that what the scripture says? God is good. Yeah, you know, and, and so I just want us to understand God as a good God. Now, I know we can look at hundreds of experiences that we've been through, some of them so horrible and terrible in our lives where we've been traumatized, we've been impacted by these things, but that's not God's heart, that's not God's will, his purpose for you. It's because of the sin of mankind. And one of the biggest struggles people have with, well, if God's so good, why doesn't he stop all this stuff? But you know, the truth of it is, if if he took away our free will, he could make a perfect world that would never have sin, but he would never have relationship because it would be forced. Just think, if I was in a relationship with you and I controlled every single thing you did. I controlled every movement. I controlled every thought. I controlled everything that, that you were all about. You wouldn't even be yourself. You'd be whatever I desired you to be and you would do everything that I wanted. That's why God has given us a free will and in the midst of having free will, Men choose to disobey God. Men choose to hate. Men choose to steal. Men choose to destroy life and hurt and harm and do terrible things that are not God's heart or plan for any of us. But because of that, now we can have a relationship with him. Because of that, we have the opportunity to say yes to God, to come to him and to give him our hearts. And that's an important thing to remember God's not the author of evil. Evil came out of the heart of man that disobeyed God. And it began actually when Satan rebelled against God, when Lucifer rose up in his pride and arrogance. But it began in man as Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God and choose their own way and it brought death and God even warned them because he loves us so much. He warned them if the day that you eat of this you're going to die. There's a warning here. I'm telling you something not good is going to happen. And so God's heart toward us is so amazing and incredible. Josh was talking about it. The songs were talking about it. God's heart is for us and he's not against us. Who can separate us from the love of God? There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God because the power of God, nothing can stop him. Nothing can separate you from the love of God except for one powerful thing, your choice. But you know what, even when you choose to turn your back on God, you know, like if we were to, today, just every one of us say, that's it, God, I'm sick of this, I'm gone. His love pursues you. Because his love's not conditioned upon our response to him. He loves us. Scripture says he loves us when we were enemies, when we were against us. How much more, it says, will he love us now that we're pressing into him i know god's good i know it and so here's the thing 
I want to tell you, God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. Actually, he's blessed you with everything you ever need already, but we haven't received it all. That's part of the deal. We haven't received everything because it only comes through walking in his ways and and pursuing after him. There is blessings that he gives, but it, it comes to us as we follow after him. So God wants to bless us. And last week I looked at this. You know, God is the source of all blessing, and everything good flows from God. Everything that is good in your life flows from God. If it's good, if it brings increase, if it brings life, if it brings abundance, if it brings peace and wholeness, and anything like that, it is a blessing that's flowing from God himself. It's a blessing that he has initiated and set forth because he's a God of blessing, and he pursues us with his incredible love. See, God wanted to make sure that people knew his heart towards him towards them, right? He wants you to know his heart towards you. He's a God of blessing. So he came up with this blessing that he asked Aaron, the high priest, and Aaron's son, sons, the priests, to speak over the children of Israel every single day of their life. And what... How do I know that? Well, because it's in the scripture and it says that they're supposed to do it at the time of the evening offering and the evening offerings were every single day. Every single day they were to sacrifice. Every single day they were to do this. And then every single evening, what we would call evening, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. Their day started in the middle of what we call the afternoon. Well, I guess it's not strange. Ours starts at midnight, doesn't it? Starts in the middle of the night. But there started, whenever the sun went down, a new day began. It's kind of interesting that a new day begins in darkness. But that's, that's kind of interesting. But doesn't it talk about how, how we're moving towards the glorious sunrise and then the, the sun raising up? And, and that's, that's what we're doing. That's a picture of us walking with God. But every single time they would say this, this would be one of the last things they would do before a new day came. And so it's a blessing that they would speak, and then they would enter their new day. And God says, every new day there's new mercies. Every day there's new mercies. There's new grace. There's new things that he's pouring out. And so he spoke this blessing. And you've heard this blessing because it's in many of the liturgies that they do just every single time. Let's end with this. I'm going to end with a a blessing. And they'll say, and so here's, we're going to read the verses, and it says what the Lord said to them. So you'll see what the blessing is. Verse 22 of Numbers chapter 6 says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Then it says this, So they shall invoke my name on the sons of Israel. Invoke the name of the Lord on the sons of Israel. And I will bless them. 
So here's what we're going to do. We're going to just take a look at the anatomy of a blessing. That's the title of this sermon. I think you probably already saw it. But the anatomy of a blessing. Let's break it down so we know the different parts and the different things that, that are, are included in this blessing because it's so incredible and it's so wonderful. And if we, can just, if we could just grasp these six concepts in our hearts, man, it would change our lives forever. That this is God's heart toward us. This is what God wants to do. So there's six main themes. And what's so interesting about this is it says the Lord. You know, sometimes I wish we had translations, and there are actual translations that use the, the name of God in the Hebrew and in the Greek so that we know what in the world they're using. Because sometimes Lord means, like there's three or four different translations when they say the word Lord. But the one that's Lord in all caps and all that kind of stuff, that's God's covenant name, Yahweh. Yahweh. So you remember when when God says, I want you to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. He goes, well, who am I going to say sending me? I don't know. And he says, I am that I am. He's Yahweh. That's the, the name where God says, I am that I am. This is my covenant name. This is the name where he connects his name with his promises to his people. When he establishes a covenant, it's in his name. It's according to what he says. And so we see this name. And what's so interesting about this, too, is that there's three times that the name is used. And some authors like this, some commentators and stuff, like to say, well, this is just a foreshadowing. It's, it's a pointing to the Trinity. You know, the Lord bless you and keep you and it's talking about the father and the lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious towards you the lord jesus christ and it says and <clears throat> may the lord his did i say it wrong there we go oh yeah may the lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace talking about the holy spirit and his presence in our life this is an amazing blessing and so we're going to take it apart. We're going to look at these six different aspects. So the first thing it says is the Lord, the covenant-keeping God, the God who, who brought you into relationship here, brought you out of the land of Egypt and gave you the promised land and is, is given you all these signs and covenants. This is the God who will bless you. It says the Lord bless you. So we covered the concept of blessing last week and what, what's a blessing anyway, right? But I want to go over this because it says the Lord bless you. So what is a blessing? So first of all, all blessings come from God. That's all, the, all that there is to it. All blessing come from God. It's not from Moses. It's not from Aaron. It's, it's God speaking to them, telling them, you speak this over the people, and you invoke my name over them, and you let my glory go forth upon the people. So God is the source of all blessings, and blessings are spoken. He says, he told Aaron, speak these words. He wanted them to be heard because a blessing is something that's spoken upon people. It's not something that's just a heart desire or something that we wish for a person. It's something that we're speaking forth in the name of the Lord. And so there's this speaking forth. And blessings are also 
speaking forth God's intentions. It's not just speaking words, good words. Oh, I, you know, I hope you have fun. You know, it's speaking God's intention on a person's life and speaking what he desires to do for them. Blessings are a conduit of God's grace. That's why he says, when you do this, when you speak this blessing, invoke my name so that my presence comes upon the people. And that's so important for us to understand. God's mercies are new every morning, and we can experience new life every day of our life. Now that means sometimes we're going through difficult times, sometimes we're going through things, but I'm telling you, God is present every single day of our lives in the darkest moments and in the brightest. He's there. He's there with us in the depths of our sorrow when we lose things like a child or a parent or husband or a wife. He's there in the heights, the most exciting things in our lives. He's there, like with the birth of a child or a marriage taking place, a wedding, those things. There, He's there when things are good. And he is the one who wants us to experiencing his blessings. And the concept behind blessings is blessings always bring increase. So God is a God of blessing. He wants us to experience abundant life. I just want to say this, and then I'm going to move on, but I just think what I do every once in a while is I sit down and I say, what am I thinking? What am I thinking? Well, I do this all the time. I mean, constantly as far as tracking my thoughts when they pop up in my brain, I, I try to do what, I, what I've been telling you about for years, taking every thought captive. Does this line up with God? Does this line up with his truth? Does this line up with his reality? But there's something inside of us where, you know, I've been doing some of this, some research has been very interesting, is that there's a part of us, do you know that 90% of our thoughts are more long-term storage and they're in the middle of our brain in this little section of our brain and they hold our thoughts and, they, and, and we act out of them. They're, they're in our what we call the subconscious. They, they do studies on this stuff. They have actual physical evidence for all the things I'm saying. But I'm going to say this real quick. But there's these subconscious thoughts that we just naturally react out of. And so if we have a, 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 a thought that's wrong, we just naturally react out of that. That's why it's so important for us to find out sometimes what in the world is going on in my thinking. And so maybe this would be a good exercise for you to do. I just sit down and say, what am I thinking about God? God, how do I feel about you? Do I really feel that you love me? Do I really feel that you're for me? And if I find out that something doesn't line up, I go, why? I start asking why. Why am I feeling this way, God? What happened in my heart that in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I hear all these things, I agree with them with my brains, but no, it's not lining up in my heart or in the back of my brain, however you want to look at it. But there's this idea. When you, when you see God, do you see him smiling at you? 
Or do you see him frowning and mad and angry? I'm just saying, in your feeling, in your heart, how do you picture God? And then if we find out it doesn't line up with what God's word says or what we know is true from the scripture, we have to begin to investigate and God will help us to sift through that to get rid of the things that are stopping us from running to God. God wants us to run to him. God wants us to come to him. I know you guys, this is a, you know, we're a smaller church and you know, all my grandkids, and first thing, what happens? First time when we see each other, we've seen each other already. They were over for supper on Wednesday. But what's the first thing? Papa! And they come running. That's the way God sees us, and he comes running. I'm, I'm excited to see my grandchildren. I'm excited to see Josh and Lena. I'm excited to see my friends as we come together. We're excited to see each other, and God's excited. God's excited to see you. And, and then you can go, oh, yeah, but then there's this. Isn't it how we always say it? It's like a nagging thought in the back of our mind. Yeah, but not, not me. Maybe we need to deal with that. All right. And if you need help, just ask. We'll help you work through stuff if you have it. This wasn't in the sermon. Free. So is the other part, though, because <laughs> you're not paying for the sermon, you know. It's, uh, it's free. It's just coming. Freely given, freely receive, freely give. So the anatomy of a blessing, so the Lord bless you, and so we look at these things and we see this, that God just wants to bless and bring increase in our life. That's the pattern. That's his heart. My, that phone likes to ring. All right. Well, there's a little thing on the side. Just turn it off, and it'll quit ringing. It's called a little switch. And if that doesn't work, step on it. You know, that, that always stops it. It just, it, it's costly, but it works. <laughs> I'm not stepping on my phone. It's my phone. Oh, boy. So... He says, the Lord bless you, and so that's, that's what he wants to do. Do you know God's the one initiating this? God's the one telling Aaron to do this. God's the one behind the blessing. So it's not Aaron coming up with some cool idea. It's God saying, I want you to do this. I want them to hear it. I want them to know, I want to bless you. 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 God wants to bless you. And I know I repeat stuff like that over and over. You know why I do it? So that it goes boom, boom, boom. And it just starts impacting and it starts breaking through the things that we resist and get in there. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. And so he says this, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. Now that is a good one. Because it means exercising great care over. God's saying, I want these guys to know I'm exercising great care. I'm watching over them. I'm keeping them. I am with them. I'm watching what's going on in their lives and I am, am partaking in that. So the ma- that, that's the idea, the main, main word, experiencing great care over us. The idea of guarding and keeping a careful, diligent way. 
He's always watching over us. The concept brings two passages to mind, and we're going to look at those. There's a lot more, but we only got so many moments. So we're going to go to Psalm. We're going to do two Psalms. These are songs that they were to sing over and over and over again, like we sing our songs, right? We're singing songs. And so Psalm 121 says this, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come from? Oh, I should say this just real fast. These, this is part of what they call the song of ascents. When they went to ascent, means climbing up the hill, right? Climbing up the mountain. See, anytime you go to Jerusalem, you have to go up. Let's go up to Jerusalem. doesn't matter what direction you're coming from. You have to go up to get there because it's on the, you know, a mountaintop kind of thing. And so you have to go up. And so as, the, as they would come for any of the feasts, any of the celebrations that they had to come to, then the people, as they were traveling, they would sing these psalms as they were traveling up up the side of the mountain, and they would see Jerusalem, and the temple was so huge, they would be able to see the temple. And so this is what's going on. They're making their way up, and it says, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. They're not looking for help on the mountains. They're looking to see God, because they're ascending into into the place of his presence. He says, from where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber or sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is the shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth. And so they're marching up. Where does my help come from? comes from Him. comes from Him. He's our helper. And of course, everyone almost knows this psalm, Psalm 23, because it's probably one of the best known ones of all. And it just talks about the care of God, God being our shepherd. It's a picture of of God watching over and keeping us as his sheep. And of course, Jesus, what picture does he use? He uses this. He says, I'm the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. I'm not, I'm not coming here as a hired hand. I, these are my, you're my sheep, and I'm, I lay down my life for you. I'm protecting you. I'm guarding you. I'm keeping you. And I've given myself so that no one can take you out of my hand. And so when you think of what this says, it's just incredible. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In other words, God's going to provide for me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. In other words, he's going to give us peace. Do you know what? Sheep, when they're nervous, can't lay down. Only when they're at peace can they lay down. And it says, he makes me lay down. So he wants to bring peace into their lives. He leads me by quiet waters. Sheep are fearful of fast-moving water. They can't go there and drink of it because it 
freaks them out. And so the shepherd leads them to quiet waters, a place where they can drink and receive the nourishment from, from there. It says, he restores my soul. And how God just comes and takes us. And, and maybe we can look at ourselves, we're beaten up and, and harmed and wounded sheep. And he takes us and he brings us and he begins to restore us. He begins to restore us to what he desires for us to truly be free and released. It says, he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The shepherd's the one who goes before the sheep. He leads them. They follow the shepherd. It says, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. God is always with us. His presence, I said it before and I'll say it again, even in the darkest moments of our lives, God is with us and God is walking with us and he is blessing us with his presence and his goodness. It says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And here's the interesting thing. If you think about sheep, he takes them. They're all outside, so he's taking them outside. He's bringing them to a place where they can eat. He's leading them to the grass. He's already gone before them, making sure there's no poisonous weeds or things like that. Made sure that it's safe for the sheep. He brings them in. And all around there may be enemies. There may be wolves and bears and there may be whatever kind of predator that would come and try to kill a sheep and eat it. There may be even thieves, people who would come and steal the sheep. But God, he says, I, I, he sets a table for me to eat and watches over me even in the presence of my enemies. And then it says... You have anointed my head with oil. And this was an interesting thing I learned about sheep. You know, do flies drive you crazy? Do flies and mosquitoes drive you crazy? Yeah. Well, you know what this anointing my head's all about? Well, they call it sheep dip. They have these special chemicals that they put together that repel bugs. And they dip them. They dip the sheep right in it. Or, on this case, they pour the oil. However they do it, he says, you anoint my head with oil, and so you take care of the pests, the things that are going around and driving me crazy around my head, my eyes, and my nose and mouth, and you're driving them away. Then it says, my cup overflows. Again, here's the abundance that we're talking about. And it says, surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And this idea of following is pursuing, chasing down, pursuing and going to overtake and overcome. The blessings of God are behind you. Just kind of look, because they're coming. They're there. He's made them everything available. And he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And there's that safety and security of the one who will watch over us and keep us. I'm telling you, the Lord is watching over you. He will keep you. He will keep you. Then it says, the Lord make his face shine on you. That's talking about his presence. Do you know what it says? It says in the scripture that, of course, that we can't see the face of the Lord right now. (laughs) 
But Moses talked to God face to face. How did he talk to God face to face? God would descend in a pillar of a cloud on the tent and Moses would go in there and it said, speak to God face to face. God, his presence, personal relationship. When it says, may the Lord, may Lord make his face shine on you, it's talking about intimacy. It's talking about relationship. It's talking about God coming to you and speaking to you and giving himself to you and talking to you like a friend. It's a powerful thing that we're talking about, this presence of the Lord. Do you remember this? I, I love this. I wish this could, would happen today sometime. I just would like to actually see it, where we see the glory of the Lord upon a person. I've seen it in their radiance of, of just eyes and the facial expressions. You can see some, you know, when the Lord is, is doing a work, you can see it physically with your eyes. But, you know, when Moses came from being in the presence of the Lord, it says the glory of the Lord was so shining, it freaked the children of Israel out. Hey, wouldn't it be great if you came to church next Sunday and, you know, I'm like glowing? Wouldn't that be awesome? I'm glowing on the inside, but it's sure not always popping out on the outside. But you remember Jesus, when he was transfigured, he, it says he became as bright, as, as brighter than the noonday sun, brighter than the sun. His glory whoop, just snuck out for a minute. And they were able to see it. And I'm sure it just, who knows what that would do to your mind to be able to see that. And... It's talking about may his face shine upon you. His face speaks of, again, intimate, personal, talking, communicating. And so he wants us to be blessed with his presence, to be blessed with who he is. Then it says, the Lord be gracious to you. Oh, I should say this because I thought of this. This wasn't in my notes here, but do you remember... When they're talking about this possibly being, you know, speaking about the Trinity and stuff like that. What's, what was one of Jesus' name? Emmanuel. God with us. He came face to face. And he dwelt in our midst. And that's God's heart. That's God's heart. See, God's not intimidated by things we get intimidated with. He came to this earth to save it and was willing, it says, to lay aside all of his glory and to come in the form of a sinful man. Of course, he wasn't sinful. It says in the form. He came in the flesh. Because the reason I thought about this is it says, the Lord be gracious to you. It says grace and truth are found in Jesus. God is gracious to us. Jesus is gracious to us. He came for us. He came to die for us and to live for us. So this idea of graciousness is kindness and compassion and benefice. That's a really interesting word, but it's for our benefit. He's come for us to bless us and to give us all the things that are available. He's come to do these kind of things. 
So, it just describes God's kindness. God's compassion towards us. And his move. It's his heartfelt response. How many times in the scripture, in the, in the gospels, do we hear Jesus had compassion or he was moved with compassion? Compassion. I just think of one of the great times in his life, one of the dark times and the sad times in his life was when John the Baptist was killed. And the scripture says that he went, he got into a boat, and he went away because he wanted to take time and he wanted to grieve. But the people followed him and they came running and there was a massive crowd when he landed on the other side. And it says he looked on the crowd and he felt compassion. And even in the midst of his need, even in the midst of the pain of his heart, he felt more compassion for the people and ministered life to them. It's very powerful. God is gracious. And by the way, when Paul writes his letters or any of the others write their letters and say grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ, he's speaking a blessing. He's speaking a blessing of his grace, his ability and power to move in your life and peace for the fullness of God to be in your life. That's what he's asking. So he says, Lord, be gracious to you. Some struggle to receive grace, and I was just thinking, I was just thinking uh, that I love your testimony. And I love how you said, even in the midst of singing a song that's designed to make our hearts soar into the Lord, that the enemy wants to bring condemnation and judgment upon you, wants you to feel bad and to pull away and not receive the grace of God. See, anything that comes from condemnation is not from God. God is, does not condemn. We know the scripture in our mind. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But sometimes when we feel that way, we pull away from God instead of pressing into what he has and saying, no, this is not right. This feeling doesn't line up with the truth of who God is. And I'm receiving what you have for me. To say no, to not be feeling driven but to be driven by the word of God, be guided by his hand and his strength. He gives his grace to us and wants us to receive it. I mean, how many of us would just be, you know, so excited we get a present and we know that the person wants it, you know, and we're just so excited and we come up there and we go, here, you got to have this. And they go, I'm not worthy. Wait a Whoever said you were worthy, I want to give this to you. You didn't earn it. I just want to give you a present. No, I just don't feel good about it. Receive it. That's what we do with God sometimes. We just, oh, I don't, I'm not worthy. No one is. You can't earn a gift. It's freely given with no strings attached. It's given out of love. It's given because they want to bless and give. So that's so exciting. And then he says this, The Lord lift up his countenance to you. Now, you might think this is exactly the same exact 
thing, but, you know, Hebrew poetry just says it a little different, right? Just says it slightly different just to reinforce it, but this concept is a different idea. One face-to-face is speaking about this idea of, of communication, of presence, and of relationship. But this one talks about, uh, it deals with, with God's presence, but his attitude toward us. It says, may his, may his lift up his countenance. What's his countenance? It's, it's his facial expression towards us, right? It's kind of like when, you know, in the olden days when they had kings, kings would come in and, and if... if uh, Sometimes there were so many people that the king would never even look at certain people. He'd just sit there and do his business. But when the king paid attention to you, when the king looked at you, you would look at the king's face to find out how exactly should I be feeling right now? Hmm. If he had an angry look or does he have a happy look? If he has a happy look and he's looking on you, guess what? You go, yes. But this is what this is saying. And, and when I was doing this, the study on this word, I just, I, you know, I could just do that all day. Well, that's what I did yesterday, actually. I spent about seven hours just doing a word study on the heart. I love it. I know you guys think I'm crazy, but I don't care. It's who I am. It's my gift. And I'm using it. My gift is to dig deep. I love it. Hours just looking at heart because I want to understand this. I want to know more about healing the broken heart. I want to know more about what God says about who we are and what our hearts are and what that is. But this idea of lifting up your countenance, it means that God's paying attention to you. Remember, he's going to guard and keep, but he's paying attention to you. Now, if if this is kind of true and they're pointing towards the Trinity, the Holy Spirit's with us every second, right? And he's being attentive. God's, everyone's with us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But Spirit dwells in us and empowers us. But the idea behind this, this is something now. Are you ready? It means he's looking at us and smiling. God's looking at us joyfully. Oh, but you don't know what I did. God's looking at us joyfully. Does God discipline us? Yes, he will discipline you because he loves you. God will say, no, stop doing that and do this. But he's not doing it in a cross and, you know, he's not frustrating, going crazy sometimes like we do. He's looking at us, but overall, God's when he looks at us, he's rejoicing. Josh even kind of said a thing of dancing over us, and, and what was that other one? Kind of laughing? Yeah. Well, he's a happy God. God's not a grump. God is not a grump, so just get over that picture. If you've got a grumpy God, you better... Ask him to help you change that perception because it's going to stop you from receiving everything he has. God's not grumpy. He's joyful. He's happy. He's loving. 
So, do you remember how it says in Matthew 3.17 when Jesus was, was being baptized at his baptism? God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Maybe you're thinking, well, that's Jesus. Of course he's pleased with Jesus. We do it a lot. Of course he's pleased with him. He was perfect. Thinking that God's pleasure has something to do with our performance. No, God loves us. He's pleased with us, but he's not pleased with everything we do sometimes. And we have a hard time separating that, don't we? We think if God's not pleased with something I do, he just doesn't like me. But he's saying, get rid of this. You know, if you had a big thorn in your hand, and it was painful and, and hurting and getting infected we run to a doctor and say take it out so if God comes and says here I'll take that out pops it out brings healing he's doing a good thing might hurt might be a painful process but the ultimate end is healing and that's what God does for us see anytime God points out anything in our lives he's not doing it to condemn us he's doing it to free us He's not doing it so we run away. Look at this. Ah! And then off we go. And we're running away from God when he's saying, why don't you just come here and help? let me help you. Get rid of this. This thing's hurting you. This is harming you. Come to me. I'm not condemning you. I'm saying this is something that needs to be dealt with because if you don't deal with it, it will only get worse. And so God is so good. His face towards us, his countenance towards us is one of attention and one of smiling. And then it says, I, well, that's a different scripture. He says, the Lord give you peace. Jesus says, I have given you peace, not as the world gives. There's something about his peace not only in our heart, but in our lives. When you look at this word peace, it is the broadest word I can, you can even begin to imagine. It means, it means wholeness. This is the year of wholeness. That's what we're focusing on. This is the year of wholeness where God wants to do some restorative things in our hearts. But he doesn't want to do it just this year. He's just focusing our attention on it. That's what he does. He gives us a focus pretty much for every year. And he continues to do the other things that we've been talking about. But he focuses on our hearts. And so he gives you peace. Listen to this. It means prosperity. It means being well. Health. Right? Completeness. Safety. And satisfaction. And it entails every aspect of our life. Not just... See, sometimes we get the idea that salvation is a, just a spiritual thing. He's come to save every part of us. Spirit, soul, body. He's come to heal our bodies. He's come to heal our emotions. He's come to 
to to heal our wills. So like if we're in bondage to things and we're we're held captive, he's come to set the captives free. He's come to to heal our minds and to renew our minds and transform us through that process. Every part of our life, he wants to bring his life because he's come to give us life and life more abundantly. So the Lord give you peace. He's talking about he wants you to receive the fullness of everything he has for you. Could you imagine if you could have peace in your mind? Could you imagine if you could have peace in your emotions? We have them. You can be peaceful in a stressful situation. I guarantee you, I've seen it. I've experienced it. I wish more times than I have. But God's peace can come upon us. And it comes by focusing our attention on Him, thinking on the things that are good. Well, there's, I could preach forever. You guys, I'm letting you off easy. But it says this. Now, here's the last thing. He says, invoke my name. So the idea behind invoking means to call upon him to do the blessing. I said all blessings start with God, but God's the God of blessing. He's the only one who can actually bring the fullness of the blessing. He's the only one who has the things that will bring the satisfaction and the life and the abundance and the fullness. Of course, he has us with people so that we can grow together and we can increase together. But you'll never find true satisfaction if you don't have peace with God. You'll never find that in any relationship because you'll use relationships to try to fill, fulfill a need that only God can fill. And so we come to him and he gives us peace in our heart. Then we can have right relationships with everyone else because of the work that he's done in our hearts. Because we seek and we long for the things that God, God's placed within us. Because we know what's right. We know what's right. And so he wants us to have healthy relationships. He wants us to have peace in our relationships. He wants us to have peace in our families. He wants us to have peace at work. He wants us to experience all these things. So, we invoke his name. So guess what? I'm going to let us go, but I'm going to speak a blessing over us. And can you imagine which one it might be, at least for today? And we're going to probably have a few more blessings because we're going to go over this stuff. All right. So I'm going to stand in the name of the Lord. I'm going to invoke the name of God over us. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen. So be it. Amen. God's blessings upon you. And wahoo! Yeah. <laughs>